how about you kind of introduce yourself, give a little bit of a, a brief description, who you are, where you're from, and what you do. Okay, so uh, I'm Manu Dugono. I'm uh, from France. I'm living here in France. Uh, uh, I don't know exactly where in France, but I'm between the Brittany and the southwest of France. Uh, uh, my family is from southwest, and I'm still diving in the, in the south, in the, um, the Var, southeast. Uh, we are in the Mediterranean Sea, where you can find a lot of wrecks and uh, very cool dives. And uh, in Brittany, it's like uh, in like in England actually. Uh, the, the conditions, the, the dives are quite harder. The visibility is limited, and uh, yeah. a lot of currents and everything. So in the south, it's quite easier. But uh, I am a scuba diving instructor for a few years now. Uh, but besides, I'm also working in uh, in a research lab uh, on decompression sickness. I'm finishing my PhD uh, these days. I'm trying to uh, to finish my manuscript. So, <laughs> so lockdown has been quite good. It's given you time yeah. to be at home and get writing. Yeah, but now in France, lockdown is over. So I'm uh, back in the sea and like a. On the on the boat, and uh, <laughs> I will need to find some time to finish it. So back in the happy place, we never ever complain about having to go out on boats or do diving like ever again. I'm sure I managed to to find time to to finish it. So yeah, um, listen, how did you first of all get into diving? Was it kind of your studies led you to diving, or diving was a pleasure, and then studies came from that? No, I started diving. I was uh, like. 20 years old, something like this, but uh, I grew up in Paris uh, yeah. and uh, I was, uh, uh, when I was a child, uh, uh, I was uh, sometimes uh, quite hard with my, hard with my parents and uh, <laughs> my mother. Probably not on your own, I think a few of us could say the same <laughs> was thing. Was putting me, uh, uh, when I was watching TV, like uh, Jacques-Yves Cousteau, Odyssey uh, movies, uh, yeah. I was quiet, so <laughs> they recorded all the all the, the Custer adventures and I was watching it and I I, I wanted to, to dive uh, since uh, I was very young, but uh, I had uh, the opportunity uh, only uh, about 20 years old, so. Okay, so, but that was just for like pleasure, for holiday diving, something like that, yeah. I guess. Yeah, yeah, for, for holidays. Uh, it was recreational at the beginning and uh, uh, during my uh, master degree, uh, I had the opportunity to, uh, to help in a dive center. Yeah. Uh, uh, for uh, my holidays and it was uh, like uh, a job during the holidays and uh, it was quite a cool job so I uh, finished all my uh, my instructor degrees and uh, I started working um, in the scuba diving industry during the summer. Okay so I guess like when you were growing up it wasn't ever the dream I'm going to be a diving instructor it just kind of came about then it sounds like. Yeah, 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 exactly. I was in, I grew up in Paris and I was working in the biomedical field at the beginning. I was studying uh, uh, like uh, biochemistry and uh, molecular biology. So I wasn't even wonder about uh, like uh, becoming a scuba diving instructor at the beginning. So you already had kind of like the interest in the, the scientific part of it. You then added the, the practical part of it. Yeah, the thing is uh, when I, uh, came to my uh, instructor degree, then I realized that the uh, decompression sickness and, uh, and decompression protocols are not that sure as, as I thought at, the, at that time. So, and uh, as I was uh, working in, uh, 
molecular biology, it was more like about uh, cancers or something, yeah. something like this. And, and um, for me, it was uh, definitely more interesting to work in, uh, on the conference sickness. So I had the opportunity to, to join both. Yeah. Um, it was great. So what is like, what's, what's the end goal? You're now doing this study, this PhD. Where, where do you see yourself in the future? What do you want to do with this, this studies? Uh, actually, we are we're working on um, like uh, uh, models for decompression sickness and to better understand the decompression sickness mechanisms. But now we have to uh, uh, to transfer these uh, these results from uh, animals to or from cells to humans. Yeah. So I think for the next years I still have a lot of work to do on that field. So. So the poor animals at the moment. Uh... <laughs> no, at the moment uh, they're, they're a bit quiet because uh, of the lockdown. But uh, yeah, we're working on the lab uh, on uh, on animal models or uh, yeah. cells. Yeah. Depends on what we want to um, uh, what we want to study. But um, we developed like a, a kind of a resistant rat strain to the compression sickness, and we are uh, that was the my, my the goal of my PhD was to uh, uh, like to understand uh, why this uh, rats train is different uh, uh, from uh, the the normal rats. So. Okay, and that we, your your studies we're going to get onto also a little bit later on. Um, but let, let's let's move on to this topic of this this underwater habitat because I think for yeah. most people like me they will find it fascinating. Um, to begin with, the first I'd ever heard of an underwater habitat, because of course I've been based in Egypt, is down in Sudan. Yeah. Have uh, what is it called? Uh, the pre-continent, something like that, which was one of the original habitats by Jacques Cousteau. Um, so what I'm going to do is I'm just going to screen share, well, I'm going to try and screen share to show people actually what we're going to be talking about here. Uh, share screen. To share that screen, share. Okay. So hopefully, what people are now looking at. Tell me, can you see it? Yeah. 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 So that's that's what we're talking about when we're referring to an underwater habitat, right? Yeah, that's a modern underwater habitat because the at the beginning, uh, Cousteau's and all the the first underwater habitats there were bigger and uh, um, they had a, quite an impact on the environment. But uh, this one is uh, like, uh, um, it, it's made, it's uh, uh, under the underwater project, name it the, the capsule. Yeah. And it's like, uh, it's actually, it's just like a rebreather. You have a, a sort of lime inside and circulating gas and uh, analyzer injectors and everything. And uh, you can move the capsule from place to another, and uh, you will uh, fix it in the ground with the, the ballast. And, uh, and then uh, it, it was more uh, for uh, uh, like a, a lighter underwater habitat to allow scientific divers uh, to observe the environment for, yeah. for a few days or for a few weeks. And then after remove the capsule. Okay, so. And again, a lot of people like me, I have no clue about these things. So this thing starts off on the surface. So you and your team, you enter the habitat while it's on the surface. So while it's on a boat, I guess. No, no, no. We, no? Uh, we are 
placing the the capsule uh, on the site first. Okay. Filling it with uh, the mixture uh, the diver are gonna are going to breathe. It's uh, um, like uh, helium oxygen mixture. Uh, and then uh, when everything is ready, the diver uh, can enter the capsule and stay inside for a few days. Okay, so the capsule goes down to whatever depth it's going to sit at. Yeah. The diver then dives down. Yeah, exactly. And then they enter the capsule. Uh, Guilain, the, the head of uh, under, under the project, um, made, uh, made the capsule, he wanted the capsule to be like a base camp uh, in... Uh, in uh, like uh, uh, to do um, um, mountain uh, climbing on everything. So okay, yeah, yeah, I get you. So the base where everything is. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Was uh, he wanted it uh, definitely like a base camp to uh, allow divers to start from that that point on the water to observe the environment and then come back to the capsule and. Uh, um, Get some rest and yeah. lunch. Yeah. What what depth is this capsule at? That was in well in your project. At what depth was it at? It, it was at uh, twenty meters. Okay, so not not so deep down actually. No, no, so deep down. But uh, the divers were staying uh, three days inside the capsule uh, during the project, so that was a saturation dive, but uh, uh, a shallow one. Okay, but what? So in in this capsule, like explain to us what what type of size is it inside it's uh very small it's uh like uh 4.5 uh uh cube meters something like this okay, yeah 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 so and uh, there were uh, maximum three divers inside but uh they were more comfortable uh i think when they were only two and... i was gonna say when you say there was only like three people i'm thinking like Three people stuck in one capsule that's like four meters wide. That's, that's quite <laughs> tight, right? Yeah, it's very small actually. But uh, the, the the goal was to observe and uh, to start from the capsule. Um, we were bringing uh, the team around was bringing the divers some uh, um, food and uh, the rebreather were outside and uh, they were allowed to uh, to leave the capsule for a few hours every day and. Uh, and to, to move to observe the environment. And uh, we were in charge with uh, my lab and, uh, and my company, because uh, yeah. also I'm running a company working on our decompression models, uh, integrating like uh, results from the labs and, uh, and putting it in the, in the decompression models. And, uh, and we were checking the divers and um, because the, the thing is uh, during a saturation dives, normally uh, it takes uh, about 20 hours to reach the, the surface when you're starting from uh, 20 meters because the normal ascent rate is uh, about uh, uh, 30 meters per day. So it was not possible with a rebreather. So the, the idea was to accelerate the decompression after a saturation dive uh, to allow them to reach the surface uh, like in a few hours uh, with a rebreather on the back. So, um, so we accelerated the decompression and we were uh, watching the divers and uh, monitoring them to be sure that they uh, they can reach the, the surface uh, uh, like uh, in a good condition. Okay, so like this is a funny thing. So when we're thinking underwater habitats and everything comes into mind, like the movies. Yeah. You see the movies and they've got their own like personal gym and they've got their kitchen and their lovely modern bathrooms. 
the image that I have here doesn't quite look like that. <laughs> no, as you can see, there were no bats from uh, in the capsule and. Uh, uh, actually, uh, we are bringing them food and uh, everything they need uh, every day, but uh, they can stay for a few days, uh, like uh, autonomously, uh, if they bring in uh, at the beginning uh, uh, enough supplies. But um, but it was made for a few days only, not for uh, for sure. months or. So with so you guys would be in there. And then you would go out periodically to do the actual diving. How many times a day? were you physically out doing the, the research project, out diving? Uh, the divers were allowed to leave for uh, three hours maximum per day. Uh, okay, and that was all rebreather diving, was it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Rebreather diving every time. They were breathing like uh, uh, PO2 at uh, 0 0.4 inside the capsule and uh, yeah. it was a mixture so of uh, helium and, and oxygen. Uh, so it was about 14% uh, of uh, oxygen and 86% uh, of helium inside. Okay. So when, and I'm, again, my stupidity a little bit here. So when you finish your dive, yeah, you then need to enter a separate part of this capsule, obviously for to get off equipment, to get dry. How does that work? Uh, actually, uh, the, the suits and the rebreather were just under the capsule. And they were bringing everything inside the capsule. They were uh, putting the suit inside and breathing on the rebreather at the beginning. Inside the capsule, it was like a pre-breathing, yeah. uh, just like in the spatial, uh, like for the extravehicular exits before uh, to uh, to exit the the, the space uh, uh, ship. Uh, they the, the guys are breathing oxygen and yeah. doing this just the same here. So two hours breathing on the rebreather inside the capsule and then two hours of deco. So they were able to reach the surface in uh, four hours uh, um, you know, of uh, 20, so. Yeah. And when you were you actually out of the capsule, so explain to us what was, what was the, the mission of that? What were you doing while you were outside? I mean, were you counting fish? What were you doing? Okay, me, I was just uh, checking the divers with, uh, with the physiological uh, team, but uh, the divers uh, were supposed to, uh, yeah, to, to uh, observe fish, corals. They were uh, counting fishes and uh, uh, watching for, uh, for the corals production. And uh, there are a lot of, uh, of, uh, of goals during the, during the project. First, yeah. we, uh, we, after we validate uh, the protocols, and, uh, it takes a few weeks to be sure that everything was okay with the protocols, and after that, they uh, they spent a few weeks also to uh, to work with a research lab uh, in uh, uh, marine biology uh, to uh, to count fishes and to observe their life uh, all day long, yeah. and then uh, to uh, watch the corals and everything. Uh, actually, the the goal of uh, under the pole expedition is to uh, uh, to bring. Uh, uh, heavy logistics uh, for deep dives or very particular dives, and to uh, um, to do some uh, some sampling or some measurement for for research labs and uh, and scientific who could not do that. Sure, and and this this project we haven't actually said to the people in which location. Where where were you doing this? In French Polynesia, in uh, uh, Muria Island, just outside the reef. And then later on, we'll get a map up and show people actually where we're talking about that. But I, I guess, so they, they do this project, they go down, they count the fish, they gather their information. 
and the, the project is under the pole. Has it gone back to the same location to do further studies? Is the plan for it to go back to the same area or it was just kind of a, a one-off? Uh, they spent a year in French Polynesia at the beginning year on um, doing some sampling for deep corals. Okay. The year before. And after that, we stay for a few months to, uh, to the castle project. And now they will move to, uh, to the, the next part of the uh, of their um, under the Pulse 3 um, uh, project, and they will go to Antarctica at the end of the year. Wow. Okay, so, so this project here in French Polynesia, you say that was there for about a year? Uh, a bit more, a year and a half. Wow, so they've gathered and they've gained quite a lot of marine life data within that time. Yeah, yeah, they did like uh, hundreds of, of deep diving, uh, like uh, they... Um, they sampled the um, deepest coral in the in the world, uh, 172 meters, something like this. Wow. And they were actually, they were physically out and diving on the rebreathers to those depths to get the samples and then they would go back to the habitat. No, no, not to the habitat. The habitat is, was uh, just uh, to, to check if it, if it was possible and okay. it was uh, apart the, the deep diving. But the, the, the base camp, um, maybe later um, will be used for, for deep dives, but at the beginning it was just to stay for three days underwater and to observe the, um, all the ecosystem around for, for a few days. Ah, okay, I'm with you. And did they, did they, with the results that they got, was it what they expected? For the for the physiological for the physiological part, sorry, uh, the the results were great because actually uh, after the deep dives we have like fetal uh, uh, capacity uh, uh, problems and some lung problems and and we are not that good after uh, deep dives and uh, with uh, hours of deco but. Uh, we were wondering after saturation dives and uh, after uh, accelerated deco if uh, divers will face will face such problems, but actually yeah. they were just fine after after these dives. Yeah, that was going to be my question. So after three days being in this underwater habitat, you say that to get back up to the surface, normally it would you would ascend at thirty meters per day. Yeah. So but you guys did it in how long? Four hours, including and two hours uh, breathing in, inside the capsule in the rebreather. So. <laughs> so that's that's incredibly fast, Actually, relatively speaking. Yeah, that, that's why we were wondering if the divers will, uh, uh, oh, they will be after the decompression, but yeah. actually uh, saturation and decompression are very safe. They're made because uh, after deep diving, uh, deco uh, at some point became like, uh, dangerous so uh, we are using um, saturation protocols to uh, to ensure the, the decompression phase and actually we uh, we accelerated the deco but it was still uh, we're accelerating deco using more oxygen and uh, the main part was the to um, to calibrate the uh, oxygen toxicity to avoid the long long problems or long yeah. issues so you, you haven't noticed any any twitchiness, your memory loss no, 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 no. Been fine ever since, huh? No, they were just fine, actually. The, the only problem was uh, uh, they spent three days and they were uh, like uh, in a very small capsule or swimming. 
So after three days in these particular conditions, sometimes it was uh, quite hard to go back to surface and uh, walk on their, their feet uh, again, so. You know, I, I, I think it's great. I think it's fascinating. I don't know if I would want to be stuck in a space the size of an elevator. I, I was happy to, to visit them every day, but uh, I uh, uh, didn't sleep inside the capsule. Actually, I get the dengue at, at the end of the project. So when I was supposed to try the, the capsule, uh, I had to. Uh, you, you had the easy option. You went down, said hi to them, yeah. and then said bye again. Every day. I was supposed to try, but uh, then I got the dengue, so I had to. Yeah. But tell me, like, for, for the people who are doing this type of diving, staying in the capsules, inevitably there's going to be a risk factor that's involved in it. Yeah. What, what could go wrong with these capsules? Oh, uh, the capsule are, is maintained on the back with uh, cables and everything. So you can have uh, damages on the cables. Uh, uh, the capsule is just like a big rebreather. So uh, you have to, uh, uh, to eliminate, uh, to filtrate the CO2 uh, with soda lime. So if uh, the, the, the filtration system fails, then the divers will uh, uh, be intoxicated with the CO2. Uh, right. We are consuming oxygen, so we have to uh, replace oxygen just like in a rebreather. So we can face the same problem exactly uh, as on a rebreather. And so, but I mean, of course, that's that's being monitored. That's being monitored by the people in the habitat, or that's being monitored externally by surface. Both um, the capsule uh, was linked to the surface uh, to the base camp, and uh, uh, we were watching the divers uh, uh, all day long and uh, monitoring them. And if uh, we were noticing uh, any problem, yeah. then uh, we had uh, like a support team uh, um, ready to. Yeah. It's kind of funny, like in, in my mind, I think about taking things underwater to stay dry. So I think about dry suits. Inevitably, we all have a leak. I think of camera housings. At most point, people have had a leak. I'm wondering, are we 100% sure these things don't leak? <laughs> yeah, the capsule at the beginning, we have to verify everything. And, uh, and yeah. And O-rings. <laughs> yeah, but we are checking everything and uh, know that the, the capsule uh, People are living inside, so we have to monitor everything every time. So.